Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I again have you take out your hymnal and turn to Psalm 25, which is a part of our intro this morning for the first three verses, though we'll be referring to it all the way through the sermon. So let's sing, or go ahead and speak half verse by half verse, Psalm 25, verses 1 to 3. To you, O Lord, O my God, I trust, or in you I trust, let me not be put to shame. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall This is a portion of our text, you may be seated. But please keep it open, because we'll be referring to it in various places. Well, I'm trying again, trying to keep myself involved in the Psalms, like Psalm 25. And not just those well-known Psalms, you know, like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, or Psalm 22, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or maybe even Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all his benefits. And of course, you know, the one that's connected with the dinner prayer that's in several psalms, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. No, I'm challenging myself to include the psalms in my own personal devotional life. This morning I want you also to be challenged to include them in your own devotional life. Maybe you could go ahead and take the psalms one by one as you work through because our Lord says in Luke chapter 24, these are my words that I have spoken to you while I am still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Because our Lord includes the Psalms in pointing to him, I believe that we should also include the Psalms then in our devotional life as well. Maybe rather than reading the Psalms one by one in sequence, you could go ahead and, well, use your portals of prayer. How many of you use portals of prayer? Okay, for the rest of you, they're out on the narthex, starting for next year. Good year, New Year's resolution, right? <laughs> and thanks to the LWML, the Lutheran Women's Missionary League, our congregation is provided with these, and you can use them as your, well. There is a psalm for each day that you can include. Also, if you turn and keep your finger there in Psalm 25 and just turn to page 304, those of you who have the liturgy marked can go ahead and find out, and on page 304, you'll find that there is a table for reading Psalms. You can use that as well. Because you see, your hymnal is also a devotional book that you can use both the poetry from the hymns, if you don't sing, that doesn't matter. You could still read poetry, right? It's just that the poetry is set to music, and that's how we sing it. Or you, what you can do is something short. Like we did this morning with the intro. It just has a piece of the psalm to meditate on. Whatever your style is for your devotional life, I would encourage you to include the psalms. For this morning, we have the intro, it, Right? And the intro, it means to enter. 
Because what it, in the early church, confessional service, the part that we did at the beginning where we confess our sins and receive the forgiveness, that was a part, separate part of the service. You know, as Americans, we condense everything, right? You actually have four services condensed in one hour. Doing pretty good. It all in. But the confessional service was separate. It, the service actually started with the intro, which was the last psalm that the people would sing. And of course, they didn't have books. They memorized the psalm, all the psalms. And so they would go ahead and sing them before, and they would go ahead and use them at work, work at home. It was a part of their life. It's interesting how the psalms have kind of shrunk. Very few people use them, except well-known ones. But at the beginning of the service, at the entrance, oh, wait a minute, you didn't have any pews either. Everybody was standing, okay? And not just for an hour either. <laughs> you guys have it pretty easy, okay? That meant you had to make a way, the pastor had to make his way, and so they had the acolytes, two acolytes, big, two big burly guys that went ahead and kind of acted like Moses in separating the left from the right and dividing the Red Sea. The pastor would make his way up to the front and the intro it would be sung. The intro for this morning includes Zechariah 9.9. You might ask yourself, why in the world are they mixing the antiphon in this way or scripture this way? It is because the theme of Advent, as we're preparing to rejoice, right? And there's that pink candle up there. We're going to look forward to that. That's that little breather, so to speak, in this season for rejoicing, the shepherd's candle. But we're preparing to rejoice. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to redeem sinners, right? Jesus comes so that the sinner be declared saint and be a joyful or be joyful when our Lord returns. It was right for the first one when the angel announced that the Lord had come in the manger and there was joy with the shepherds and they went and spread the good news, right? They were excited. Here, wrapped in swaddling clothes, a babe wrapped in the manger, he's our Savior, Son of David, Christ our Lord. But then again, the Lord also came in Jerusalem, right? They sang Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There was great rejoicing again. And so it is to be a joyous time when our Lord returns for that one last time at the end times for all who believe in him. However, with all three comings, there's trouble. Remember what happened within the first two years of Jesus' coming? Herod went ahead and slayed all the children under two years old. But Mary and Joseph escaped with the baby Jesus. When Jesus went ahead and entered on that Palm Sunday with palm branches and they were singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the chief priests and the elders were planning our Lord's crucifixion. And so also when our Lord returns, before he returns, there will be the great tribulation, difficulties. Some people think really close right now, don't they? 
with all the trouble that's happening in the world? Are you ready? Our Lord is coming. It is here with this combination between tribulation and rejoicing, the themes of Jesus intersect with Psalm 25. Now you remember with Psalm 22, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was just the first verse. The practice was that if you went ahead and you said the first verse, then everybody else would just follow along and knew everything else. So also we should look at the whole psalm here, for our theme is Jesus is Lord as we rejoice both in trouble and as we wait for our salvation. Now, go ahead and look at that second verse. We hear that the psalmist is in trouble. He knows he's got enemies. If its enemies are going to win, guess what? He's going to be put to shame, right? This psalm is ascribed to David himself. But it doesn't tell us what the situation that David is in. He could have sung this at several times, couldn't he? Maybe it was when King Saul was going to be threatening his life as he got older and became more bitter. Or maybe it was when Absalom, his very own son, took over the palace and David had to escape for his own life. Now we can weed a few of these out because as we read the rest of the psalm, David is concerned about his sin as well. Maybe it was his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. David is not only concerned about his transgressions, but also the sins of his youth. We don't have examples from David. And so we're kind of left guessing But you know, all of us were once young, weren't we? And we can fill in our own examples here, can't we? David is asking that the Lord not remember them. Why? Look at verse 6 and 7. Remember your mercy, O Lord. In fact, let's speak it together. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, or my transgressions, according to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. That's why in verse 1, David can lift up his soul. It's, the reason is in God. His goodness, and look at there, his steadfast love. His, as they say in Hebrew, his chesed. This is this thing that endures through all troubles, all difficulties. You know that God is there and he loves you and he cares for you. David not only refers to the one he prays to as God, right? But he also calls him Lord. Now, Lord, you might think of someone high up, right? And important. Yeah, that's true. But what's different about the printing of Lord here? What's that? They're all caps. And that is a signal that that's God's personal name. David knows the Lord personally because the Lord has personally known him. He's a part of the covenant, the God of the covenant. David can bank on his steadfast love. 
and we know that with him there is forgiveness. For if the Lord doesn't forgive, there's no hope, is there? There's no reason to turn to him, and his enemies will triumph over him and shame him. However, David has hope, so much hope, that he confessed in verse 3. Let's read verse 3 together. Indeed, no one who will wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. I don't think our translators did any good job for us there, did they? The NAV does it a little bit better with treacherous. The ones who break trust without excuse will be put to shame. So David waits in hope because the Lord will be faithful. He'll carry through. So David confesses in verse 5, You are the God of my salvation, for I will wait, or for you I wait all day long. We too know that the Lord is faithful because of Jesus Christ. David was waiting for the Messiah to come. We know that the Messiah has come, don't we? In our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. But we only know this by sight, or by faith, don't we? Because he came so many years ago, and by faith we trust that he's going to come again. So just like David, we wait in faith. We wait There are times, though, things might get so rough that we might start losing hope. We might even feel that the Lord has forgotten us. Think of those that's sitting in the care facilities, nursing homes, assisted living. Imagine if you didn't have any relatives. Maybe your friends would come. What's your hope then? It's even worse when others go ahead and push the past into your face. You've felt that, haven't you? It's even worse when our own memories start tormenting us. Is the Lord allowing this? Even if the Lord is, remember, He is still our salvation. We are called to hope against of what we feel and what we see around us. We are called to rest simply in our Lord Jesus Christ, to trust him. We need outside help. And so we pray again. Let's go look at verses 4 and 5. Make uh, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. And teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, for I wait for you all day long. prayer we wait as students of the word let that word direct us god's word is now going to connect you with a different story than your past he's going to connect you with his story look at verse six again remember O lord or remember your mercy O lord your steadfast love for they are from of old, going back all the way to Exodus, where the Lord delivered his people. We, like David, have hope in the future because of what God has done, for his, done in the past for his people. Remember Joseph? Oh, yeah. The sins of my youth? He's a little brat. And he 
A little pompous, and Dad gave him a great big, or wonderful colored coat, a beautiful colored coat, and he went and advertised to his brothers, and then went and told his brothers what to do. You know what they did with him. Yeah, they threw him down in the well, and they partied. And then they sold him off to slavery. And yet the Lord delivered him and made him second even to the Pharaoh of Egypt and used him to help his people. Then again, remember the Exodus where God's people were released from slavery? They were given the plunders of Egypt because the Lord God had done mighty acts. Though God's people were rebellious and complainers in the wilderness, the Lord was merciful again and again and again and finally brought the second generation into the promised land. The nation that David now ruled. In this season of Advent, we are called to rejoice just as the people of old. We are called to rejoice before the deliverance. Think about that. When was the Passover celebrated? Outside of Egypt or inside of Egypt the first time? Inside of Egypt. They had not yet left. Think of the Lord's Supper. You have a foretaste. Come. And so we celebrate when our Lord is going to come in the Lord's Supper. When Jesus our Lord, with Jesus our Lord comes, we can rejoice even when we're in trouble. You know why? Because we have it easier than even David. He believed in the Messiah who had come, and we believe in the Messiah who has come and will come again on that last day. Look at verse 3 again. This is even true in verse 3. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Advent. The time of heightened waiting for the Lord to return, to complete our salvation. This is not wishful thinking. It is for sure a certain, sure and certain hope. Just as Jesus died on the cross and rose again, so also is your salvation and the confidence that we are forgiven and that we are declared saints before him and that we too shall rise from the dead to be with the Lord forever. Today, we'll confess in the Apostles, or we confessed already in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my sin and therefore I am forgiven. Jesus is Lord over death and therefore I will rise again. Jesus is Lord over my life so that I would have eternal life. Jesus teaches us what is righteous by giving us his righteousness so that we might live his righteousness out in our lives. Rejoice. Jesus is Lord over your troubles and your fears. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.